All right, grab those Bibles. I want to hear those pages turn. If I'm not hearing pages turn because you don't have a Bible, there should be a paperback Bible in the pew back right there in front of you. And if you don't own a Bible, Merry Christmas. That's our gift to you this Christmas season, the Word of God. Fall in love with Christ in the Scriptures. Amen? We're going to be in Luke chapter 2, and I'll be reading verses 22, and I'm just going to go ahead and go through 38. I'm just going to go ahead and get all the way through there. So when you get to Luke chapter 2, verse 22, uh, look up at me and say, He is here. All right. Upon the conclusion of the reading of the text, I will say this is the word of the Lord, and you respond with? Awesome. Have your eyes on Scripture and follow along with me. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 22. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer, night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning again. We're glad that you're here, and I hope that you have your Bible with you. Um, We are nearing the end of our series that we're doing through Advent entitled Christmas Carols. And what we've been doing is, in the Gospel of Luke, we've been looking at the songs that were recorded in Scripture around the birth of Jesus Christ. And we said that nothing really marks the holiday season and Christmas like Christmas music and Christmas carols. And maybe you didn't grow up in church or this Advent thing is sort of new to you. Um, The word Advent comes from the Latin word which means the coming or the arrival. And Advent's really about two things. It's about reflection and preparation. So we reflect back upon the first coming of Jesus Christ and draw all of those implications of what God did during that time. But it's not just a time of reflection, it's also a time of preparation. Because Jesus didn't just come once, but he is coming again, amen? And so we prepare ourselves for that coming. And today we're in the song of Simeon, as it is known. And um, I really do believe this week I was praying and just felt resolved in my spirit that the Lord really does have a word for us as we look at this passage today. But maybe as an introduction, this will help. This is a picture of a gentleman by the name of Walter Michel. And um, Walter Michel was born in Austria and came over here to the States. And he's a psychiatrist for Columbia University. 
um, and uh, Time Magazine actually cited him as being one of the um, top most reference psychologists in the 20th century. And so he's a really smart dude. He's got more degrees in Fahrenheit and all that good stuff. And um, in the 60s, he actually did a study um, with Stanford University. And it's actually very, very famous. You can look up. They redid it again in the early 2000s. But the test involved little kids and things, and it was known as the marshmallow test. And maybe you know about this. But what Walter did is he had some subjects, a number of kids, and he actually followed them even after um, the test. But here's what they did. They were taken into a room. And placed in front of them was a delicious marshmallow put right in front of them. And he gave everyone the same guidelines. He said this, you can wait to eat this marshmallow until I come back in the room. And the approximate time was 15 minutes. And when I come back in the room, I'll give you another marshmallow. Or you can wait or and actually eat the marshmallow now and not get a second marshmallow. And if you look at some of these pictures, the reactions of some of these kids um, were really great. And this is actually what he says in the report. Some of the kids would cover their eyes with their hands or turn around so that they couldn't even see the marshmallow. Others started kicking the desk or they would tug on their pigtails. And some of them would even stroke the marshmallow as like a little animal. (laughs) I cannot wait to eat you, right? while others would simply eat the marshmallow as soon as I left the room. And he actually got a lot of flack from the academic circle about how elementary the test was. And he responded and said these words, if you can deal, and what he called it was hot emotions while waiting, if you can deal with hot emotions, then you can study for the ACT. Instead of watching TV, you can save money for retirement. You see, the waiting is not just about marshmallows. And you can actually tell a lot about a person about how they wait. Pretty good when you think about it, really. And when you look at our text today, it's sort of bracketed with this word. Look in verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation or the Savior of Israel. And then look in verse 38, what Anna did. And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for Israel. Waiting. Waiting. I don't know about you, but um, I don't wait well, right? We live in a very instant gratification culture where even like Amazon Prime is too fast you know, or too slow. You know what I mean? Like two days and you're like, come on, man. I want that thing to be at my doorstep. And isn't it weird that every time you check where the package is at, it's always in Earth City, right? It's there in Earth City and then boom, it's like right there on your doorstep. But it's, con- I mean, like we're through the drive through and we're like, are you kidding me? Four minutes Four minutes? Like, I've got stuff to do, right? Or, God forbid, you're in Walmart, and this is what everyone does, right? They're checking out, and they scan all the aisles. We're like predators, right, when we're checking out. And we watch the person that has the fewest items, but lo and behold, what happens? It's like that lady who has that item that doesn't have that price tag, and they're like, we need a price check. And you're like, are you kidding me right now? Or I've been on this soapbox for a while, and I'll always be on it. You're at a gas station, and you wait behind someone who's buying lottery tickets. 
Like, I'm going to write the senator and say separate cashier, like, items and all that stuff for people buying lottery tickets. And then there's that guy, right, who, like, is like, oh, man, I think I got a winner today and does the scratch off while you're waiting to pay for gas, right? Because here's what we think in our mind. When it comes to waiting, we equate waiting with wasting. I got stuff to do. I got places to be. There's things that are happening. And maybe let's bring it a little bit more personal in our walk with Christ. You've been praying about something. You've been waiting on something. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a financial situation. And you're waiting and you're wondering, what what is God doing? You see, I think we have a lot more in common with Simeon than what you would think. And actually, theologians call what we live in right now after the cross, they call it the already and not yet. Because Jesus has already come, but he's coming again, but that has not yet happened. So what do we do during this season? We, we wait And actually, the book of Acts tells us this. When Jesus is ascending into heaven after his resurrection, after those 40 days he's been around, and he's been with his disciples, and he ascends into heaven, and Scripture says this in Acts chapter 1. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. That's good news. But what am I supposed to do till then? Wait. We wait. Maybe you're in a transition and in a season in your life where things are hectic and you're needing to hear from the Lord but we're having to wait. Here's the big idea today, and the jelly's on the bottom shelf, and it's this. As God's people, we must learn to wait well. Listen, when I look back upon Scripture and I see God's plan and I see His involvement with His people, it always requires waiting. But we don't wait very well. And really, when you think about it, what's, what's difficult about waiting, right? Maybe we need to do this before we can get past and really dive into the text. What makes waiting so difficult? Well, I think the first thing that really makes waiting difficult is this, doubt. Right out of the gate, doubt. You ever been in that doctor's office? Waiting on those results? Waiting? What's filling your mind? God forbid you WebMD, right? And Google your symptoms, right? Because you're dying right there in the doctor's office. And things start creeping in. And then the phrase, what if, dominates our thought. And the phrase, what if, literally starts outweighing and knowing what God has said. And we've been praying about this. And we've, we're in a season, God, what's happening with my kids, with my marriage, with this job? Or just what's next? What do you have next? I've just gone through this. I never thought I would have gone through this. And now what am I supposed to do? And doubt creeps in in light of that. Secondly, the thing that makes it difficult is just plain distractions, right? Life is busy. That's the default answer. I'm waiting for the day when I ask someone, how's it going? And they say, fine, I'm not busy at all, right? 
Because that just seems to be the default answer. Oh, busy, busy, busy. And during that time when you're waiting, when you're praying, there seems to be silence more than there is anything else. Distractions just pop up. And it's like life beats the brakes off of you in this journey. And then all of a sudden, other things get your attention. And then you realize, oh, yeah, I've been waiting on this thing, but this thing got my attention. So now i got to get back on the thing. And then with the thing, and there's the things, and there's, right? It's just distractions and hectic. And it makes it so difficult to wait because we're pulled in so many directions. But I think one of the most prominent ones is this next one, and it's deceptions. We tend to believe lies when we're waiting. Like this lie. I, don't, I, you know, I know you don't believe this. You're a lot different than me. But whenever we go, God, you're taking a lot of time doing this. Maybe I need to help you out with this. God, it's been a little while and I haven't really seen anything. Maybe I should get my hands involved in this. And listen, shortcuts, walking with Christ, never pay off. Never, because here's what our focus is. We're focused on the prize of what we're waiting for, right? That thing, that answer to prayer, that next season, this and that. And listen, listen, God is less concerned about what you were waiting for and more concerned about the type of person you're becoming while you're waiting. God is always interested in the type of person that he is making you to be. And listen, shortcuts never work. Never work. And then the last thing is just simply this, defeat. You just simply give up. You've been praying for an extended amount of time. You haven't seen anything. Like, listen, are we on it today? I mean, we are on it today. And we've been praying about this thing and we've been walking for so long and it's been years and then we just throw in the towel. And God forbid God answer other people's prayers while you're waiting, right? Because let's be honest, you are not joyful in the Lord in those moments. You've been praying for something and then someone comes in and goes, God has just revealed and done this and you're like, well, good for you. Is it still tough for me? At my house? You know what I mean? And we just give up and we just throw in the towel. So what is Simeon's song going to teach us today? What can we do when we look at this passage? How can we learn to wait well? What do we need to do in light of this? Because we don't know how to do this. The first thing that I see in the passage is this. In order to wait well, you have to continue doing what God last told you to do. Come on, man. That's it right there. Look at the passage. Look at Simeon. This is all we know of this guy. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. Right? Like, how awesome would that be to be your epitaph? Like, that's how you're known in Scripture. Some people in Scripture are not known for a lot of good things. Right? Judas. Hello. You know what I mean? This guy is known for being righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, look at verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Wow. What's it like to be Simeon, right? And there's sort of this like Lion King moment in verse 28, right? He takes the kid in his arms, holds it up, and says, Ah, no, I ain't. No, I'm just kidding. He doesn't say that. But he sort of sings, right? You know what I'm saying? 
And, and that's kind of weird, right? Because God's promise came true, but God also said that when you see Jesus, you're going to die, right? So he's sort of like, yeah, Jesus. Oh, wait a second. Like, oh, no, you know what I mean? But what was Simeon doing up to that time? A lot of scholars and theologians believe that he was a priest there in the temple. And every day he would go and he would do what he was supposed to do. Imagine waking up every day. Is this it? Is this the day? And that day wouldn't happen and then another day would come. He was just working. See, listen, we equate waiting with wasting, right? God equates waiting with working. And listen, you need to understand this. We still work for God while we're waiting on God to work. You don't just sit down, right? I loved hearing what one guy said, like looking for a job and you're sitting at home playing Xbox, waiting for the phone to ring. That's not gonna go well for you, right? Because looking for a job is a full-time job. And we put out applications, And yes, we believe in faith, but listen, faith is not not doing anything. Faith works, and faith without works is futile. It is a waste of time. Simeon did not just sit down and give up and sit at home and sing kumbaya, waiting for God to do what he was supposed to do. He was on the grind. He was hustling long before Jay-Z was hustling. You know what I mean? He was putting in the work. And we still work for God while we're waiting on God to work. But I know what you're saying. You're arguing with me, you know, just like any good Christian in their pew. Well, there's so much stuff, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do, and I'm praying for something so specific in my life. Okay, okay. I believe a deep theologian can help us with this, and he goes by the name Larry Bird, okay? Larry Legend. I don't know where you thought I was going with this. Larry Bird, you know, Celtic, Hall of Famer. But he's not just known for being Mr. Larry, the three-point guy. He was known for his hard work and labor. And in high school, I read Mark Shaw's autobiography or his biography on Larry and wrote a paper on him. And here's what he says about Larry Bird. While most players waltzed into the locker room, they're required 90 minutes before game time, which drives me crazy when I watch the game. These guys are millionaires, and they're walking in wearing sweatpants. Are you kidding? Anyway, that's free. That's not even in the sermon, Right? Bird has been on the floor by at least 6 o'clock, more than two hours before tip-off. In the loneliness of Boston Garden with only a few attendants and season ticket holders, Bird has been shooting around 300 practice shots and no less than 1,000 three throws. Because Larry always said, no matter how crazy the game got, I would always go back to the basics. I love that. No matter how crazy the game gets, I don't know what's going to happen in this game, but what I do know is going to happen is that I will always do the basics in this game. And here's what I think is our problem when we're waiting on God, that we're so overly concerned about specifics that we overlook the basics. God, I would love to know the day and hour in which you're going to answer this prayer. God, I would love to know this, that, and this. And if you would just reveal to me the next 15 years of my life, I would just trust you fully, man. And the whole time, God's going, there's all other things that you could be doing. There's all other things that you could be doing. Now, I know what you're saying. You're arguing with me again. Well, Jason, I don't know what the basics are. 
I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing in this. Listen, this is jelly on the bottom shelf today. I love Jesus. There was a guy that tried to corner Jesus one time. I was like, Bible's pretty big, bro. I think the bro's in the original Greek in there. Some of you can check that out later. But he said, how would you sum up all the law and all the prophets? And Jesus said, I can sum it up like this. You are to, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. But Jason, what about the thing you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself? Well, Jason, am I supposed to marry her? I don't know, bro. Did you propose? Looks like you're getting married. Well, what else am I supposed to do? You're supposed to love the Lord your God. I got a point today, and I'm going to make it, all right? Man, I don't know who I'm supposed to vote for or do any of this. I don't know either. But you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. How's that going for you? Yeah, but am I supposed to take the job? Is my family going to move? Listen, I'm going to say what a lot of preachers don't say. I don't know. God's will is not a unicorn at the end of a pot of gold of a rainbow and there's fairies, right? Right? We think God's will is something that we will never find. God's will is God's word. And check it out. God has a will for you. And you know what it is? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. Any questions? Any questions? Continue doing what God last told you to do. And there's a lot for us to keep doing until the next thing that he tells us to do. But while we're doing that, there's also something else. We need to be listening to the Holy Spirit of God. Do you see and look at these verses? The Holy Spirit is mentioned three times in three verses. Anytime you see a word repeated in Scripture, underline it, circle it, do something. Luke is trying to tell us something, the writer of this gospel. He says that the Holy Spirit was upon Simeon, verse 26, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. And then verse 27, and he came in the Spirit into the temple. But look at what else Luke is telling us. Look in verse 29. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to my feelings. Ah, I see you better have your Bible in your hand. You know I'm not making this stuff up. What does it say? To your word. Interesting. Luke is showing us that there is a parallel between the very Word of God and the Spirit of God. Um, This past summer, my family and I had the privilege to go on a family vacation, and I would love to tell you that it was glorious and extremely restful, but, you know, when you got three kids, five and under, let's just be honest, it's exhausting, bro. You know what I mean? But we have a family member who has a condo down in Pensacola Beach, Florida. So we did what any good Christian would do. We went and mooched off her, bro, stayed at her place, and hung out. But the cool thing about Pensacola is it's home of the Blue Angels, right? So I don't know if you've ever seen these guys before, but it is incredible. They practice all the time. And they are known for just their tight formation. When one of them banks, the other bank, and it's just incredible. And I would love to say the kids loved it, but those dudes are loud, man. And they fly like right over your head. You know my favorite part about the whole thing? Is at the end, they fly off. And then Fat Albert, the cargo jet, comes, comes coming in, right? It's so anticlimactic. It's like, this guy comes in. Roman was like, is it done? I was like, it's done. There's Fat Albert. This is great, you know? 
But if there's any good illustration to understand the Spirit of God and the Word of God, it is that. For they fly together and in unison. One author, Glenn Packiam, says it this way, Whatever the Scripture is united to, the Spirit is invited to. Why do you think at Westside there is constantly Bible read out loud? There's Scripture underneath the screen. Anytime we pray, we're reading the Bible out loud. Why? Because the only thing that God has promised in His Word is His Word. Do you understand that? I don't believe that stories and skits and all that, I'm all for that stuff. I just don't think that's going to change anyone's life. What's going to change someone's life is the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Simeon is not floating out in the ocean there on his kumbaya feelings and name-dropping the Holy Spirit to justify what else God's Word has said. Because contrary to popular belief, the Spirit of God will never contradict the Word of God. And the Word of God will never say anything that the Spirit of God does not confirm. But we need to do some work here. We're blessed at Westside to have people from all different types of backgrounds. And there's a ditch on either side of the road, right, when we're trying to walk this. The first one is this. All Spirit and no Word blows us up. Right, So maybe you grew up in more of a charismatic background where it was always feelings and you know, these type of things like that. And the phrase, God told me, is like laid down all the time, just super normal and easy, right? Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. Anytime that somebody comes up and says, God told me blank, and there's no Bible verse with it, red flag goes up, right? Because always when that tradition happens, you have someone float out and feelings become the guide over the word of God. Listen, contrary to popular belief, no, God is not telling you to divorce your wife. No, God is not telling you to not be a part of a local church. How do we know that? Because the word of God comes in and it's fighter jets that come together and they live life together. It blows us up and we end up floating away from orthodoxy all the time. But, but, but I got something else for some of you other guys as well, right? Maybe you grew up and it was Father, Son, and Holy Bible, right? We never talked about the Holy Spirit. God's never going to do anything outside of our box. And we love Jesus, but we look like we've been baptized in lemon juice, Right? Oh, yeah, right. All kinds of chanting, all kinds of this. Jesus saved me, but I'm mad about it, bro, okay? And you got that King James 1611 Schofield Bible, and if anybody argues with you, you will work them over with that thing. You know what I mean? You know these people on social media, ready to argue, buddy, ready to argue. Someone says, happy holidays, and they're like, well, you need to put Christ back in Christmas, right? Just ready to argue over anything. And by the way, do you know what I've never seen on Facebook in in those arguments? I've never seen someone type and go, you know what? With all of your arguing and condescending behavior, you're right. I should get saved. Oh, I just got saved right now. I never see that happen. And and, And they use truth as a baseball bat. Listen, contrary to your opinion, God will work in ways that you are not comfortable with. All the time. Look at the scriptures. So what do we need? The Spirit of God and the Word of God grows us up, right? So we don't want special revelation over the Word of God. Hey, listen to me. You want, John Piper says this. If you want to hear God audibly, read your Bible out loud. Next question. And while you're reading that Bible, why don't you love someone, man? 
I'm so down with people who use the Bible to propagate more of what they are against than what they are for. All word and no spirit dries us up and hardens our heart. We need the spirit of God and the word of God. And we see that's what Simeon has done in his life. He's banked on the promises of God. Simeon knew his Bible, but he also was free to the moving of the spirit of God because they fly together. We listen to the Holy Spirit. But the next thing is this. We position ourselves to be in God's path. Do you see where Simeon is at? We could take this text a number of ways about the law and about the temple, but we see the temple mentioned twice here. It's interesting. Every time I talk and speak with Christians and there's suffering or a trial or something that's happened in their life and they come in, they sit in my office or we have a cup of coffee and they're like, oh, my kid, fix my kid or it's all this or it's all that and it's always followed up by this phrase. I mean, I know I haven't been to church in like six months or been in community group or served or haven't served or done anything like that, but Brother Jason, I'm just not hearing from the Lord. And when you do that, that's like turning off your cell phone, putting it in a drawer and complaining about not getting phone calls. We position ourselves as to where we know how God moves and when he works. And contrary to popular belief in the gathering, that's why we gather every single week and we praise to Jesus because we understand that it's not just the sermon and it's not just singing, but we interact with the people of God and they have words for us in scriptures and they pray for us and they edify us. And then through the week, we partake in community group and we're around people. Listen to me. I can always know when people are veering off the path when they just simply disappear. When they simply disappear, I can almost mark to the day when they're going to be calling my phone going, oh, everything's happened, everything's falling apart. Right, because you are away from the source of everything in your life. So listen, in seasons of waiting, don't run from God, run to him. Don't isolate yourself, insulate yourself with the people of God and the word of God, doing what he last told you to do, faithfully serving, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Andrew Murray is a theologian who was born in South Africa, and he has a book entitled Waiting on God, which I would highly recommend, but he says these words, come, and however feeble you feel, just wait in his presence. As a feeble, sickly individual is brought out into the sun to let the warmth go through him, come with all that is dark and cold in you into the sunshine of God's holy, omnipotent love and sit and wait there. With the one thought, here I am in the sunshine of his presence and love, and the sun does its work in the weak one who seeks its rays. God will do his work in you. Oh, do trust him fully. Wait on the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, brothers and sisters, wait on the Lord. Don't wait away from him, even with doubts, even with brokenness, even with not understanding and questions. Bring those to him. Don't run away from him. And when we position ourselves for that, we know that we're in a prime time place and we know how God works because he's revealed it in his word to us. We're going to continue doing what he last told us to do in faith. 
Even in days when we don't see fruit. And can I be honest with you? I'm not wearing a cape up here. I don't have this thing all figured out. There are days where I read my Bible and I shut it and I go, I don't know what that just did. I don't know what good that was. But then I bank on the promises of God and realize that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion unto the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we continue doing what we're last supposed to do, but while we're doing it, we're listening and we're waiting to the very spirit of God that moves and molds and shapes his people. And we're positioning ourselves, right? Like, do you remember whenever you first started dating that individual, maybe that you're married to or if you're still dating? You remember for some of you, you go way back on the, no, I'm just kidding, right? But do you remember you always wanted to be around that person? And let's be honest, you were a creeper, right? It's, I mean, it's kind of certified stalking, but when you're dating, creeping is caring. You know what I mean? You'd wait, you know, you'd wait outside that place for like an hour and bump into him and go, oh, I had no idea that you would be here, right? I just tracked your phone. I'm just saying, right? And you always wanted to be around them and you wanted to be in their presence, Right? It should not be any different in our relationship with God. That we would want to be in his presence, that we know where he works, to be around his people and to be in his presence. But the last thing and the anchor that holds us that we see so much in Simeon's song is this, that we look back to what God has done to reassure us as to what he will do. If you look at the lyrics and the words of Simeon's song, He has seven, it's only four verses. And he has seven to eight Old Testament references in four verses, mostly from the book of Isaiah, which tells me this. We have to plead the very promises of God. I think oftentimes our prayers are not answered. And oftentimes we shake our fist at God and we're angry because we demanded that he would answer something. And in reality, his word never said that he would answer something like that. And we're ignorant to the very promises of God. But Simeon looked back, imagine every day, don't get all Bible on me, let the Spirit of God illuminate your imagination. And every day he comes in and he goes home and he's way up in years and he hasn't seen anything. But when it happens, he goes back and knows that all the while while he was waiting for God, all the while while he was waiting for that word to come true, he was banking on the promises that God had made a long time ago. And that reassures us and gives us faith as to what he will do. This past week, I was tucking in my oldest son, Roman, for bed. And I don't know if your kids are this way, but when it comes to bedtime, they need like 37,000 things to avoid going to bed, right? I need a drink of water. I need a snack. Oh, got to use the bathroom. Oh, my goodness, I think I left this at Granny's house. Got to get in the van and go get it. You know what I mean? Like, it's all kinds of stuff right before bedtime. And, and Romans, you know, spouting all these things off. And I'm, I'm like a good dad. I'm just shooting them down one by one, right? And he goes, wait, I was supposed to make a fort, and I was going to sleep in my fort tonight. I said, Bubba, we're not making a fort right now. It's bedtime, bro. We got to get to bed. He goes, oh, but you said that we would make a fort. And I said, hey, listen to me. Tomorrow night, we will make a fort before you go to bed, and you can sleep in your fort. And he, he almost started arguing, but then he said this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last time we did that, and you said that we would, the next day we did. Okay. And when I shut the door and walked down the hallway, I thought, from the mouth of babes. I'm an earthly father, as Jesus says. You being earthly fathers would never deny your children something when they ask. And you're even evil. How much more does your heavenly father love you? And when I walked down that hallway, I thought, that's it. 
That's how I can step out in seasons when I don't know what's taking place, when I don't know what God's plans are, and I can wait and understand that he is good because he is faithful to what he has done in the past. And do you know how this book ends? I've been waiting the whole sermon just to read one verse. Right? I'm about to come out of my chest. Right? Do you know the, how, the, how the whole Bible ends? The next to last verse in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, says this. He who testifies Jesus to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. He has promised that he will come again. And so in Advent, we look back to what he has done in preparation to know that he will come again. Jesus said that he will come. So what do we do? We continue doing what he last told us to. We listen to the Holy Spirit and we are free. We have our nose in our Bible and our ears open. We position ourselves to be in his path. We don't know when it's going to happen, but we are rest assured when we look back and when we remember. And so in just a moment, as the band comes up and leads us in a time of response, one of the most often cited commands in the scripture is remember, remember. And every Sunday, we strategically end our gathering here by coming to the table because when Jesus sat down with his disciples, And he instituted the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And listen to me, today, when you take that body that was broken for you and that blood that was shed, knowing that he was faithful to come the first time, we rest assured and know that he will come again. And he gives us grace to sustain us. Listen, as God's people, we must learn to wait well. And maybe for some of you today, you just need to come forward and just pray and say, God, today is a monumental day. Today, I am letting go and taking my hands off of this situation with my kid, with my husband, with my wife, with the scenario. I don't know. That's all my prayer consists of today. I don't know. But I know you do. And that's enough I need to know. That's enough I need to know. And until then, I wait I wait, but I'm working while I wait. I'm listening while I wait. I'm positioning myself while I wait. I'm remembering while I wait. But I know as I hold this body in my hands today that you will come again. And rest assured, as the early church prayed, Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. And God, we pray that you would convict those who need convicting. God, we've been in the way. We haven't trusted you, so we've stepped into your plan and thought that we needed to fix, fix, fix instead of just simply wait. And we confess that before you today. God, comfort those who need comforting to rest assured your promises that it's not just the Spirit and it's not just the Word, but it is the Spirit of God and the Word of God converging together in someone's life and reassuring them that you are faithful that you will surely do it. May we sing to a God who hears us and we wait and we wait well. We pray this in the holy and the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand where you're at and come forward and partake in communion as you feel